Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control with the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver. I stopped comparing myself. And, you know, it's been said that comparison is the thief of joy. That is what Instagram is. That is what social media, it is literally, and, and I talked to my wife about this and I'm like, she's like, I don't follow people like that. You know, I don't, I, I follow, you know, she's like in the science and she's much smarter than I am. And, you know, she's like, I don't follow that sort of stuff. I'm like, there's no way there's, you, you don't just follow science. And it's subconsciously, we are seeing a barrage of different people's lives. And I just think that there's something innately in us that we cannot help but compare on some level. It doesn't necessarily like, oh, I want, I want that car. It doesn't necessarily even happen like that. It happens in this very subtle way that just gets at us and eventually takes us out of the present and takes away the joy and gratitude of where we're at in our lives right now. This podcast exists because I love talking to people and I love going deep. The purpose is to plant seeds of inspiration. We enter a space of vulnerability and relatability. And what you realize is that we are so much more alike than we are different. To quote Ramdas, we're all just walking each other home. And the show is just one step. I'm Danica Patrick and I'm pretty intense. Hello, today on the show is, you would best know him as Macklemore, but uh, his name is Ben. And Ben and I had a, a really, really deep, cool conversation about like the lessons of life, about um, the creativity of music, about um, community, and how that applies to not only our education as a human being, but our relatability in our struggles and how community is so important. And, and he just has a really great perspective and all of his, all of his struggles in which he's so vulnerably shared have been part of other people's healing too. And I think that's a really, really beautiful role to play in the world. And not, not, not everyone says yes to that, but he does. And so we have a, a great conversation about all the aspects of that in the end, how we're so much more alike than we are different. I noticed that you have like the most appropriate uh, shirt on for me today with a checkered flag on it. Yes, yes, the checkered flag, <laughs> absolutely intentional. And thank you. <laughs> That's a. I take that as a compliment. Um, and I'll have you know that when I saw the name of your golf clothing line, I was like, "Oh, bougie boys!" So please don't judge my <laughs> please don't judge my GED education level and the fact that my mind was in a bougie place. Um, yep. But bogey boys makes so much more sense. Slightly, slightly. And it's funny because that's where we met. Was that a golf? What is that at a golf course? This is true. Yeah. How have you been playing golf? during all of the, the last year? Uh, I have been playing a lot of golf, yes. It has um, completely taken over my life. And I mean, with COVID, the golf courses got shut down for a while. And then when they opened back up, it was like, well, this is all that we can do anyway. So I need to get outside the house. I need some sanity. I need an escape and golf is the perfect tool. Yeah. Um, how have you been skewing towards less bogeys, more birdies? Uh, definitely bogeys are outweighing the birdies. Absolutely. Uh, there was, a t I was starting to get okay. And then, you know, you try to switch something with the swing and then all of a sudden you revert back to, uh, a higher handicap than you had gotten down to. So I, I'm, I'm in and out of, of pars and bogeys and a run of doubles. You never know. You know, everybody goes through that where you need to like work on your swing. I mean, look at Tiger and, you know, I, you know, poor thing that crash seems so bad. Um, perhaps though, he'll have more time on his hands for 
um, for, uh, you know, going out and playing golf and giving little lessons about how to have a new swing? You know, it would, it would definitely help me. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, I, I, I suck at golf. Like, I mean, I, I play a little bit. I'm a member out. I live in Scottsdale and I'm a member at a course called Scottsdale national out here. Um, cause Bob Parsons, who started GoDaddy, who was my sponsor forever. Um, he was the one who bought it. So I get out like twice a year, um, which I think I'm the perfect member for them. I think there's about 10 people a day out there. So uh, wow. if you're ever looking for a course that has um, very low activity, but two courses and a par three, nine hole course yeah. uh, and two clubhouses, then Scottsdale Nationals for you. Sounds perfect. That sounds like my pace of golf, my level of activity. Perfect. Yeah. And there's like, it's a fun place to go because there's no rules, meaning like out here, there's a place called Whisper Rock. Have you ever played at Whisper Rock? No. No. Um, it's a fancy place out here. And, you know, you can't. And there's other, another one called Estancia. And like, you can't use your phone. You can't wear your phone. Right. You know, what? one of them, like women can't go most of the time. And, um, but at Scottsdale National, it's like headlights, turn your music up. And yeah. Um, you know, talk on your phone, wear your hat, have a good time. So that's what Bogey Boys is all about. Oh, that's well, tell me. That's how the why, why do you have a why do you have a a clothing line? I, I mean, design and fashion in general has always been a passion of mine. I think that um, you know, if I wasn't into music, I'd probably do something in the design world. We've always done our own graphics, our own merch, our own album covers, music videos. So that part of it's always been entrenched in the music that we, that we've done. And, um, it was just kind of a natural progression. I got tired of designing t-shirts with my name on them that I'm like, I just can't wear this. There's no way that I'm going to pull this off ever, um, nor want to. So it was definitely a, you know, a moment when I started playing golf and I walked into, you know, the pro shops and I'd be like, I just am not inspired by any of this clothing. Like, this is not interesting to me. And um, wanted to create something that stood out that was a little bit different, a little bit left field, yet also paid homage to an era that was before my time where people actually had style on the golf course. You know, people really you have your Arnold Palmers and your Payne Stewart's and your Lee Trevino's and Chichi Rodriguez guys that really um, looked fantastic. I'm like, that is what, where we need to take this game. We need to diversify this game. It needs to be more fun. We need to be, make sure that whoever has wants a set of clubs can get one that we get the youth out there that we really switch it up and, and kind of shift this narrative of this white stodgy elite exclusive club that golf has been for so long. That's, I mean, that's true, but yet I do feel like there's like an air of um, kind of like, I'm thinking it's almost like a, a play on thrift shop. Like there's like a play on like old school, like the plaids and like almost like grandfather, you're talking about like the older players and like they are grandfathers now. <laughs> so I did that. Is that, is that it all like part of the sort of, I don't know, not mindset, but the, uh, the design or the vibe? Completely. I mean, I was dressing up in old golf outfits before I ever even thought of picking up a club. I mean, this was, what? this dates back to me being in like High school. I mean, this is where this is where thrift shop came from. Was like me going into thrift shops, getting out the craziest plaid outfits that I possibly could, and um, and whatever else I could find, putting those clothes together, making an outfit that I couldn't go buy at you know wherever department store, and and going out and having fun. And I think I just transferred that into the actual game of golf when I picked it up. And I was like, I just I enjoy. I, I feel like I play better in a pair of plaid pants. I just do. I just play better golf. There's something about it. <laughs> when you said that, it reminded me of a story. Uh, this is a funny little story, but it happened at a golf course. And um, it was, uh, Bill Murray was there and we're both from Chicago. And um, so I walked over to go say hi. And he's like, oh, hey, you're from Chicago. And I was like, yeah. And so we started talking. He goes, what size clothes do you wear? And I was like, 
um, <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> and he goes and gets close and he, and he takes this shirt and this like, um, a cardigan and puts it over it and like lays it out. Like, I think it was on a piano or something like that. And he was like, do you like this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm sure you have it for someone in mind because you're not a size small. And, um, and anyway, so he's like, do you, you want it? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to play the best golf I've ever played when I wear that outfit. And as the yes. story reminds me, he's like, at a golf course, it's Bill Murray. And, you know, I said I'd play the best yes. golf I can in that outfit. I love it. And, you know, for the two times that you play a year, the one time that you wear that, it's probably better than the other time. It, 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 it has worked every time. So that's basically, that's basically the undertone of your clothes is you're going to play the best golf of your life, probably because you're going to be having the most fun you've ever had because you feel your best. God, this is the new tagline. I love this. Best golf, best looks. Like they, you know, I've, I've listened to some stuff you've talked about and, and just the, obviously your music over, you know, long, long span of time. And um, it's funny how, you know, you've got like the song Thrift Shop and it's about kind of making fun of people and the ridiculousness of, you know, $50 t-shirt and, um, yet you love it, you love fashion, and now you have a clothing line. And I just think it's kind of a fascinating little full circle and mm -hmm. psychology of the song and the meaning. And um, I, just, I just think it's very, very interesting. So why, why, why was that song written in the first place, I guess, maybe is the place to start? I mean, I started writing Thrift Shop years before it ended up coming out and it was really a critique uh not even a critique it was more just kind of poking fun at the um the overpriced nature of streetwear culture at the time which um was very centered around the t-shirts and then also you know talking about how i like to dress um it's funny because you know, here I am now, fast forward, like you're saying, to 2021, and our t-shirts are $35. They're not 50. And they're very heavyweight. They're, they're very nice quality. It's like almost like a sweatshirt. It's very thick. It's very nice. Um, but I look back at the time and I'm like, man, I should have I should have said that the t-shirt was $500. I mean, because now you know, our t-shirt is like, I mean, this is like 13 years ago, and I actually started writing the song. It didn't come out years after that. But um yeah, now you look at it in like a $50 t-shirt is like, you know, I'm talking about a, a Gucci t-shirt. You can't get a Gucci t-shirt for under probably 400 bucks or something. But it's just more like, I, I think what I've always been fascinated with is our, our obsession with designer, what we spend money on, how we can rationalize it, what a logo makes us feel like. And I completely, you know, I've never been someone that's like pointing the finger at other people. I'm completely caught up in it. And I, I was back then too. Um, I think that there's a time and a place and obviously like spending money within your means, but like, um, yeah, I, I still want that. I still am like on looking for the swoosh sweatshirt and looking for, you know, a, a Louis Vuitton bag and like all of these things that um, inherently don't function any differently than something that's you know a hundredth of the price and i think that there's something interesting with the psychology around branding and marketing and, and what we spend money on in terms of clothing well it is programming i mean whether it's the you know the program you're watching or the things that you are on your screen or your phone or tv I mean, it's programming. I think it seems to me like we're all becoming a little bit more aware of how programmed we are. Yes, completely. But even like, I think that's exactly what it is. And even though, you know, we're aware of it, I still think that with social media, we are so bombarded, whether it's consciously or subconsciously with marketing and looking at other people's lives, looking at what they're wearing, looking at the highlight reel that is other people's existence um, and comparing ourselves, feeling like I just need that to make me happy. You know, I just, oh, now I just need those. Now, it, you know, that would be the thing that would really finish off my class. And it never stops. It, it doesn't stop. It's this pursuit of, of the purchase that is like the addiction and the high. And I think that we as a culture are, 
completely consumed by it, as am I. And that's an interesting, you know, you look at other cultures and it's just not quite the same way. Um, you go to, I mean, places, you know, definitely places like in India or, uh, you know, you go to anywhere over, even in some places in Europe, and you're just like, people are not caught up in this, in this rat race to have, to consume in the same way that we are in America. I just went to Egypt um, for a couple of weeks and I was walking down the street in Cairo at the end of the trip. And, you know, everybody had, I mean, they're kind of dressed similar. I mean, there's definitely people dressed in like regular jeans and whatever else. There's very much coverage. So part of our trip was about looking looking like everyone else and respecting their culture. So you cover your shoulders, you know, cover your legs. And, you know, there's, there's, there's things that you do to fit in and be respectful. And I kept thinking to myself, when they come over to the States, if they ever do, what on God's green earth do they think when they like, say they walk down the street and like Beverly Hills, like Rodeo Drive, right? And watch the scene. Like what on earth or Scottsdale where I live? Like, what do you think they're thinking? Right. Right. Why do we do that? Why do you think we do that? I mean, you said it. We've been programmed. We've been programmed from a very young age that this equates to happiness. And we are, you know, constantly reminded, whether that's the billboard, whether that's the ad. I mean, we were talking about it last night. You know, I'm I'm with my parents and my wife and my kids, um, you know, a little bit north of Seattle right now. Hmm. And, um, it is, it's something that the Google, the, the whole, what we're Googling and then what pops back up. And like, I look at a pair of shoes on a different website. And then when I go to Nike, it's like the same shoes and a line like, yo, this is crazy. I mean, the data that we're able to collect or they collect on us is, is genius and probably violating some sort of rights, but it's working. Well, we all agreed to it, right? When Instagram came out with that information that said, you know, we're going to, this is what, like a month or two, a couple months ago. And they said, we're going to basically, <laughs> we're, you're giving us by continuing with this, you're giving us permission to use your information and see your information. Right. And I had a, a moment of, you know, like I conscious, my, like I was thinking to myself, shoot, I don't want them to have it, but I want this platform. <laughs> you're not getting, I'm not giving up Instagram. Of course not. <laughs> right? right. So it's like, but then I thought to myself, they're already doing it. Yeah. Long as I have this thing right next to me, they know yeah. where I am. They know what I'm saying. So what if they can see my actual Instagram? It's like they already get it all anyway. Right. Data is apparently the biggest business in the world now. Yep. It's, it's the new gold. It's the new oil. Did you watch any of those documentaries about it, like The Social Dilemma? And No, I need to watch The Social Dilemma. Everyone keeps telling me that. And then I get, and then nighttime comes and I'm like in front of my computer and I'm like, ah, what should I watch? I have no idea. No clue. There's just something that doesn't click with The Social Dilemma and me being in front of Netflix or wherever, whatever it's on. Does, I, have you felt like I get this feeling like there's, uh, you know, which is really, I think, I can relate to it that there's like a departure. Have you felt a departure from news from the programming or do you feel like it's still, do you feel yourself? I think that as much as when I, it's, it's interesting when I have taken my social media breaks, you know, I wish that there was a way to actually like do studies on like real studies on happiness. Um, scientific studies on happiness. I think that there is something that happens in me where I become more present. I become more spiritual. I become more grounded. And you know what? I stop comparing myself. I stop comparing myself. And, you know, it's been said that comparison is the thief of joy. That is what Instagram is. That is what social media, it is literally, and I talked to my wife about this and I'm like, She's like, I don't follow people like that. You know, I don't, I, I follow, you know, she's like in the science and she's much smarter than I am. And, you know, she's like, I don't follow that sort of stuff. I'm like, there's no way there's, you, you don't just follow science. And it's subconsciously, we are seeing a barrage of different people's lives. And I just think that there's something innately in us that we cannot help but compare on some level. 
It doesn't necessarily like, oh, I want, I want that car. It doesn't necessarily even happen like that. It happens in this very subtle way that just gets at us and eventually takes us out of the present and takes away the joy and gratitude of where we're at in our lives right now. You mentioned um, spirituality and, you know, knowing about your story and the things that you've gone through um, with addiction, with success, um, with humble beginnings, with paying record labels to put your song out there, which is brilliant. Um, Do you feel, uh, where does spirituality fit into all that? Um, I think that spirituality for me is crucial. You know, it's a huge part of my recovery. It's, uh, it's what gets me out of self, right? Like when I wake up in the morning, um, it's important to immediately remove that self will, those desires that pop up in my head. Like, what do I want right now? What, you know, what do I need? What am I going to do today? Um, and gets me in a place of, of a little bit like, let me be guided by the spirit. Let me, um, let me help somebody else. And I think that when I'm in those seasons of my life where I feel that gratitude and I'm intentionally taking the time because, you know, I got two kids, a a busy life. Um, You know, from the minute that I wake up, it's like, bam, dad mode, you're on. When I take that time, when I find those moments to really get centered, um, to, to do some prayer, some meditation, I find that my life is better. It just is. There's something about it that becomes easier, more fulfilling, and I have more gratitude. When I'm just running and gunning on like, what's next? What do I want? Like, okay, bam, bam, bam. I get a little bit off. I get a little bit off. I get, I lose some of the, some of that perspective that I think is so important. And it, and it all ties back into spirituality for me. So it's an incredibly integral part of my life. Mm. Did you grow up? Um, did you grow up re- with religion at all? Or is it? I grew up in a, I grew up going to Catholic church. I come from an Irish Catholic family. Um, but that Catholic wasn't just St. Patrick's day. Yeah. 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 But that wasn't where I found my spirituality from. Um, that's where I found, you know, that was, a, I was a kid. And by the time that I was, 15, my parents were like, you know, you can make the choice whether you're going to go to church or not. And that's cool. I was like, peace. Yeah. I'll see you on Christmas. Isn't that interesting? I feel like a lot of, um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people that go to church growing up and it's like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I think it's, I think it has, I, I subscribe to the, uh, religion that I've at least seen on a definition of omnism, which is that you don't believe in any one religion, but that there's truth in all of them. Um, right. So of course, they're, I think they're all they all have roots of goodness, but you know, then man man gets a hold of them and you know figures out how to make money. Um, <clears throat> but but I feel like it's so common that people have to heal from religion. Completely. I mean, I definitely when I first came into the rooms of recovery. I mean, the word. God, I was not comfortable with that word at all. You know, I had been, um, I had an experience that I didn't resonate with from the time that I was, you know, I mean, before I could remember when I was baptized up until 15, that um, it wasn't a place that I found my connection. And that's not, that's just my experience. That's not against yeah. anyone else that that finds their connection in a church or a synagogue or a mosque or anything like that. I think I agree with you completely. The older that I get, the more I became removed from my actual upbringing with the church, the more that I could see the truth in religion. And what I do think is amazing about religion is that it forms a sense of community, Um, people, interaction, humanity, feeling, um, you know, being in the same place with the same intention of connecting with something that is greater than ourselves, that intangible. And that's super powerful. That is really powerful. And it's incredibly and powerful in in this day and age where we are we are so much on our phones we are so now we're on zoom you know we're not in person we're we're working from home we're not around other people and i think that that is a a very you know impaired a part of the human experience to be able to get in a room with people 
And whether that's in work, whether that's in, in prayer or worship and, and have like-minded intention. I think we're meant to be in community, right? I mean, that's, we're, we're not meant to do this by ourselves. And, you know, <clears throat> you've talked about how important that community was with recovery and realizing you're not alone. And, you know, I've done this in my own life where I realized that when I am vulnerable enough to share the things that are going on with me, I give people, even if it's on a simple level of like, I don't know, not looking put together or, you know, being, uh, making mistakes or what, it could be really simple. It doesn't have to be super big and complicated, but I then give that person permission to show the same. Otherwise, if I'm perfect, if I'm put together, if I make no mistakes, that person does not feel any comfort to not look perfect, to not make mistakes. And that's not living. No, that's, that's exactly you know, that gives, it gives me some goosebumps because that's exactly it. And, and that is, and that is what for me, recovery is all about. That's why it works is because we come in there and we share our struggles, our experience and our hope. And when you do that open, openly, honestly, with willingness to be open to whatever's in the room and you just share who you really are and where you're at, that's where there's power. That's where that vulnerability is contagious. And that's what that's where my best music has come from. That's when I've been the most tapped into my spirituality. I'm not trying to project an image. I'm not trying to be performative. I am literally just sharing where I'm at in the moment, in all its flaws and imperfections. Um, there is beauty, and yet we try to we try to to hide that, right? Because we feel like we have to keep up with everyone else, and. You know, we need to put the filter over our picture and, you know, everything needs to look pristine. And you've in, in what we really are craving is that imperfection. That is what makes us feel human. And we feel seen when other people are going through, through the same thing and we become closer as a community. That's that magic. Yeah. Was there uh, an aha moment that 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 came to you or a story from um, being in these groups and and talking to each other that like broke you down and broke you open? Uh, I have a horrible memory for pinpointing certain, you know, experiences, but I think over time, um, you know what it was, you know, you know, I've relapsed multiple times, but every time that I would come back, once I found my core group of people that I, you know, my real community, once I found that in Seattle, um, I would relapse. And there's so much guilt and shame over, um, over relapsing. You know, you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get this. I lost I had two years and now I'm back at day one and people are going to judge me. And, um, every time that I, that I would, that I would do this and I would come back and, you know, there'd be times where I wouldn't tell anybody for, for weeks on end. And, you know, finally I learned like, dude, when you do finally tell people you are greeted with love, with, with the hug, with um, complete understanding, because most of us have gone through something like this. Um, There's no judgment. And at the end of the day, I'm trying to save my own life. Like we have a very short time on this earth and how much of that time is spent trying to cater to, um, you know, what other people think of us, like just share your truth. Like Mm -hmm. my name is Ben, I'm an addict. And like, I have, I have one day today, I'm just coming back. And every time that that happened, um, it was nothing but love. And I realized that these people aren't here to judge you. They aren't here to like point the finger. If they are, that's their own journey and their work to get through, but I'm trying to save my life. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, what would you say your greatest lesson has been in the experience of addiction and relapsing and coming back and having your people and finding your people? I mean, I think it's kind of all of this and this is like everything that we're talking about. I think that um, for me, so much of the disease, the disease is rooted in, in self-centered thinking and um, to be able to get outside of self, to truly give to others, to be of service, to tap into a spirituality that I knew nothing about beforehand. All of these things in combination of the community um, 
are what keep me coming back, you know, and, and I realize that I have the disease of addiction. I am not going to ever be cured from this thing. It doesn't end. And to be completely honest with you, Danica, like I don't want it to end. This is the way that I've been able to find a deeper truth and a deeper meaning in my life. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's caused a lot of pain. Absolutely. But that pain has turned to growth if I do something every single day around the disease. Mm. What have you, what, what, uh, then what's the biggest gain? I mean, that's a beautiful way to look at it. I, I, you're saying yes to the lessons, which, and the growth of it, which is something that most people don't do. And it's scary to go into that. It's scary to go into the vulnerability. It's scary to change things. And I'm sure you've had to change friends and all kinds of stuff. Um, but to, to be able to see the, 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 the golden lining of it all and be able to recognize that there's growth in it. Um, what has been the, I mean, there's things that you've lost, but what's the gain? What's been your favorite gain? I mean, to me, the gain is that I get to live an honest life today. You know, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm not, you know, riddled with, with, with fear, with guilt, with shame from the night before. Um, I don't have the compulsion to use. I don't, I'm not like, oh my God, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to get high today? How am I going to pull this off or whatever it is? Um, I get to wake up with my kids. I'm, I'm there. I'm in their lives. I'm a good dad. I'm an honest partner. All of those little things that um, I don't take those for granted anymore because I realized that the minute that I let the disease of addiction um, back into my life um, with active using, all of those things go away. All of those things go away. And I always wanted to, um, I wanted to think when I, when I had my first daughter that um, she was going to keep me clean, right? Like she was going to be like, okay, now I can't get high. And that's not the way that the disease works. Unfortunately, um, I can't do it for her or because of her. I have to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And she can be, in, she's a huge inspiration, but mm-hmm. I need to do this for me. And she can't keep me clean. My wife can't keep me clean. No one could keep me clean um, except me and my power and in, in a, in a connection to a power that's greater than myself. That's it. It sounds to me like when you, you were talking about like taking the time to um, for yourself, whether it's through any kind of spiritual practice that you have, it's like, it's, it's like when you say yes to that, that part of you, you say yes to the other, other people in that same way. And, and when you don't, then you don't say yes to them either. It's like a parallel, you know, as soon as if you wake up and every day you start the day saying, sort of honoring yourself, you start honoring everything else in the day. Right. Completely. Absolutely. Um, I always feel like there's a, there, you, you talked about, you know, like not wanting it to be over. And I think about the, you know, the artist side of you. And um, it's an interesting, because you said too, that great music and inspiration comes from that and creativity. Is there any feeling that you're going to lose that if you don't have this relationship with this struggle? No. Um, Well, I guess that's a great question, because usually people, I I said no, because I thought you were going to say with the relationship with this drug, which usually people think like, oh, but you get clean and then you can't like make music. And it's like, no, it's never been the case for me. Um, But the struggle, that's a great question. Um, I think that the struggle is always going to be there. Like there's, and, and, addiction is not just for me with, with drugs. I'm an addict for anything that changes the way that I feel. So like, yeah, that, that struggle is always going to be there to a certain extent. I think that there are infinite ways to write music. And, um, if I want to tap into that struggle, I can, I can do so. Of course, if everything in life is just going great and you're like, now I need to like write a struggle song. Like, no, now is not the time to write the struggle song. You know, like it's the time to to write the celebration song, you know, like wherever you're at is is what I like, where I like to make music from. Um, But inherently life is going to present its its struggles and they change and they morph and they turn into other things. It's always something. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there last night with my parents and, and, you know, they're in their 70s now and thinking about that next chapter of life. And, you know, 
there it's scary it's scary to think about my parents passing on and you know what that's going to be like and when one of them you know they've been happily married forever and when one of them goes and there's always things that are coming up in life that are going to present its own challenges and and cause us to to learn and to grow and to go through pain that we don't want to go through how do we do that community right right absolutely there's an interesting sort of um view as to growing up today and how in the old days like a long time ago it used to be in community and it used to be you know with elders around you and you had grandparents and and you had you had all kinds like the community of the family and the and 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 those intertwined in it was really wide and deep and so when you think to yourself that all you really have is your parents it's like or maybe some people don't even have their parents it's like who's teaching you the lessons who's giving you the wisdom and i feel like it's in the community that you gain the wisdom and we've so lost that we've absolutely absolutely yeah we are you know even i had to talk to i had to talk to my parents a couple years ago and be like yo i want you guys around i i want to see you more i don't want and we live enough you know they're they're a couple hours away from me and we live close enough that um it's kind of a weird distance because i remember when my parents my grandparents would come into town like they would come from boston and um, they'd stay with us for a week and we'd go stay with them for two weeks in the summertime. Like it was three condensed weeks of, of seeing them, which is so much more valuable to me than like, you know, every, you know, once a month they pop in for a couple hours. Like that's not, that doesn't feel the same. That feels like a quick catch up. There's something about what you're talking about, really soaking up game, being part of, um, being part of family and, and, and having those conversations in, in the ideal, in the idle time, like we're not hosting, you know, it could feel like that in, in times, but when they come over, it's like, you know, up here, we're in our cabin and it's like, it feels nice to just like relax. You know, we don't, we don't have anywhere to go. We don't have some like crazy agenda. We're not rushing out of the house. It's just like, let's be with one another. Um, yeah. I prefer it. Yeah. I, I don't know how else you get, how else you get that, uh, you know, width of wisdom unless you're around people that have been around for a while. And I just yes. don't think that's, that's, uh, that's not as normal. And, you know, especially with everything going on in the world and how we can't freaking see anybody. And they've especially put people that are older in such fear. Like, yes. I mean, I th- of all people, like, the, the, I feel like they've been the ones put in the most fear that, oh, it's, you know, the virus is coming for the older ones the most. And then it's just like, you know, it's such an isolating time. And I, I just, I don't know, do you have any, like, I don't get it I, completely. It doesn't all make sense. And I feel like we can all almost agree on that. I don't, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth there, but do you feel the same? That we in terms of the virus coming for the older people and people being scared. I mean, yeah. The whole damn thing. Like the whole thing. Like I, I mean, California still isn't able to eat indoors. I think at this point, it's been a year, the two weeks has been a year and like, (laughs) you know, just the, the protocols and the, the, you know, there's so much like, you know, cancel culture and canceling opinions. And, you know, I have people who say things on social media and they're, they get shut down and, you know, shoot, I don't know how this makes you feel about writing music, but do you feel like you're being canceled in some way? And for sure your shows have been canceled, which is a huge bummer because in my opinion, music is super healing and just the energy and the frequency of the music itself being live is so much more, uh, it penetrates so much deeper than even on the radio. And that being, it's like at that it's being in that community of people who are there for the same reason. You're all happy. You're all having a good time. It's like a mini church session, right? Where you just all like-minded people enjoying the music and in a positive vibrational state with the energy of the music in real raw form and like that's been completely shut down so um 
it's such a, that's kind of what I mean is like, it just doesn't all make sense. It just feels like we're being broken down in some way. Yeah. I think that that's very accurate. Um, and I mean, I think that we're going to look back on what 2020 was and obviously we're not through this thing and we're, you know, a, a quarter of the way through 2021, but, um, this has been a huge shift in terms of our consciousness as humanity, in terms of everything that happened in 2021, the Black Lives Matter movement, the political race, the obvious, you know, the pandemic, everything was just kind of this melting pot of, um, of change. And it was uncomfortable and we continue to feel that. Um, you know, you brought up cancel culture. And one thing that in relation to what you were talking about earlier that I think is so dangerous with cancel culture is it doesn't allow people to grow. Um, we are, we become so afraid of making a mistake that we don't say anything. And that's not where, that's not where we need to be right now, you know, as all of us. And I think that we need to be having the uncomfortable conversations about race. We need to be having the, um, you know, those conversations with our family members with, you know, we need to use our platforms. We need to be bringing issues to the forefront. But if we're so scared that we're going to get canceled, that we're going to say the wrong thing, that something's not going to be perfectly worded or politically correct, we need to feel, I think, as people um, that we can make mistakes and not be persecuted for them. And, you know, not that we shouldn't be held accountable, but that these mistakes end up in potentially getting canceled. That's just dangerous. It's, it's really dangerous. And I think that that whole kind of movement around this person's done like this, like, you know, 23 year old said this thing, they're done forever. Like that is so um, it's dangerous. And I'm worried that, you know, this next generation and, and all of our generations that we're living through right now are, are going to be so paralyzed that we just don't say anything because we don't want to be, we don't want to be called out. And the fear of getting called out is greater than the fear than, than the action of speaking truth. Well said. Mm. People need to think about that. You need to think about why you do and don't say something and what's in line with your truth. And I feel like if there's one thing that you have done so well with your music through your music with yourself but through your music is be honest and you talk about things that are happening in culture that people aren't talking about you talk about things that are happening with yourself that people aren't talking about um with themselves personally and um so it makes me kind of want to ask the question what do you want to say? How do you want to, what do you want to tell people? What do you want to say to them? What do you want to wake them up to? How do you want to, like, how, how can we elevate our consciousness to the point where we can all start to get along? Like, look, I have friends who are, we don't all believe in the same thing at all. I have, and, and that's, and that's, what I realize is that we all get along great as people. I'm like, wow, there's all these like surface level beliefs that are different, but we have an amazing time together and have so much fun. And we're so much more alike than we are different. And so how, how, I don't know, what do you, how you, you're a change maker through your, through your platform. What do you want to say? Oh, I don't know. That's a huge question. I, I do think that what you're talking about is interesting though, in terms of your friendship groups. I think that with, you know, the how intense it got with Trump, it really created a, a line in the sand in terms of, um, it, yeah, who you could even be friends with, like the family members that you would talk to or not talk to, like it got that divisive. And um, that's also, you know, when, when it's just black or white, when it's just, you know, you're on this side or that side, those are really... Um, that's a scary place for, for society to be in. You know, there's no nuance and it is something that makes our, what, what makes our country, you know, so interesting is that we have people from all different walks of life. We are a extremely diverse country as a whole. 
And yet, if we're either have to pick right or left, then we're not getting into the core belief system of what really makes this integral experience of humanity, like, like even the ability to connect or to see differences. Like I can, I completely had the same experience. And I think that with, with friendship groups of not feeling the same, not being aligned, I don't grow if I'm just around like-minded people. I don't, I don't, I don't actually, um, I'm not, I'm not pressed to actually think about a different way of, of, of life. When I've opened up my circle and, you know, honestly, a big part of this did come through recovery. Um, when I opened up my circle and I'm like, damn, I didn't think that I would have anything in common with you. Mm-hmm. I judged you. I looked at the way that you were dressed. I looked at the car that you pulled up in. I looked at the accent that you had. I looked at, you know, how you sat. I looked at the coffee that all these things that are subconsciously happening that we are just stacking up to judge somebody who they are. Um, all of that math was completely wrong. It was completely wrong. And actually who you truly are at your core, I love, I love. And looking for the similarities rather than the differences. Mm. I think that it's so easy to look at, to look at the differences and be like, no, we don't add up. That doesn't make sense. That's not what I believe in. Um, and it's more complex than that. And the other thing, the internet makes, makes all of this worse, right? The internet is um, a place where people, you know, it's like when you have a conversation with someone, there's people that I, that I have great conversations with, but when they text me, I'm like, this is like a completely different person. <laughs> like this level of communication is, is, is horrible. Like, you know, and then I, and I'm like, damn, like they really, this is, this is so bizarre. And then I talk to them in person and I'm reminded, oh yeah, when you type something out, and press upload or send or comment or whatnot. There is no tone to that. Uh, there is no personality to that. And people speak in absolutes, and they and they have a next level of 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 bold expertise that might not exist in real life when you're one on one. So I think that these are all more reasons why community is important. And having a different set of community that's bigger than just an insular one where we can actually learn from one another. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard that from various different people. Like I remember interviewing Gretchen Carlson and she was describing the way that she learns about her news. Even she's like, I watch all of them. She's like, I just, I I watch all the news sources so that I get a wide, so I can get an assessment of all of them and make my own decision. And, you know, I think that should be said about, about our lives too. Like, you know, the thing is, is we we're so solid in our beliefs, right? We're just like so solid. And then we tend to through TV, through social media, through the computer, through the things that we say, and through the people that we spend our time with, we just continue to perpetuate the same story till we get someone else in that we start to end up realizing that we're all part of the same whole. And that the common denominator is like, we all struggle which is why vulnerability is so critical because we're all struggling with something. Like you've seen that said many times, like, you know, someone walking down the street, like, you know, they might look really happy, but they're all, they're struggling too. Or if they're, if they do something that irritates you, it's like, you don't know what kind of day they had. Um, And that we all want to be happy. Like we all struggle and we all want to be happy. And the only way we can know that is if we spend time with other people. Do you, are you writing music? Are you, I mean, what's, are you always writing music? No, definitely not always writing music. I am, I've taken a little bit of a break. I think that I was in a, a zone as COVID hit and I've been kind of in and out. Bogey Boys is obviously, it's been a huge, maybe not obviously, it's, it's been a huge undertaking. Um, for me, just in terms of time, um, being home with, with two little girls and, you know, Zoom school and, and. That's right. You have to be known. a teacher now. A teacher. Yeah, I mean, luckily, and- luckily they're finally both back. Um, but Zoom school was really tough. They, um, yeah, it, it just is another, you know, we lost our nanny for four months or something like that when COVID first hit. And it's it just life got real i'm on i'm not used to being home for this amount of time like mm-hmm. i'm used to constantly 
leaving and coming back and traveling and all of a sudden it's just like nope you are a dad and you're not leaving your house and um so yeah it was a little bit challenging for me to really draw inspiration to go from straight dad mode to like you know i'm doing the dishes and then i go downstairs in the basement and now i'm a rapper and you know <laughs> i'm making music it, it just felt a little bit strange um but yeah it the 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 songs fortunately have have not dried up you know i'm excited about the music that i've that i've made in the last couple of years i'm excited to put it out when it will come out i have no idea because of the uncertainty of the, the touring business i i really don't want to put out an album without being able to go get in front of the people and yeah. perform it so we'll see i think that by this time next year uh touring in some capacity should be um should be opened up that is that is the hope that is the the insider tip that i've been given with the information that no one really knows well you're a gemini you know i i said i took a couple levels of astrology so i'm like oh he literally wrote an, you wrote an album gemini and i was like so um it made me think that you um uh well basically knowing that about you which i didn't need to say anything but you since you called called that Gemini, um, you're a communicator. I mean, like, like Gemini's are error sign, like you are a communicator. So has it been more painful to not travel or like what's been the most, I'm kind of curious, what do you want to keep? And what do you like, what do you want to keep from this whole experience that you're like, man, this is the one thing that this is something that I would say, like, yeah. I never go back from this. And then what's something that you can't wait to get back? The thing that I have benefited from the most of this, most of this experience um, is that I got to be with my kids and I got to be with my two-year-old, the her entire two years, you know, from two to three, she had her birthday three days ago. And I got to be with her damn near every day of that. And um, we're super close. And I wouldn't have been as close to my daughter had I been, you know, home uh, 200 days out of the year versus 365, you know, it just wouldn't have been the same. Um, so so that I, mean you're going to, are you going to stay home more? Is that what that implies that you don't want that to change? I, I think that there is something, I think that life is, is very precious and um, it's always a balance. I, We'll definitely be touring when touring opens back up. And that's the thing that I'm the most excited about. Um, but it, what it really did for me was we all had to go into a mode of acceptance, right? No one wanted this. No one was like, yes, finally, like um, a pandemic. No, no one wanted this. It, it interrupted, it disrupted um, our lives in, in a drastic, dramatic form. Um, but what it did for me was it reminded me that acceptance is key and that um, regardless of what is happening, that there is um, gratitude to be found, that there is a connection to be found and that um, life happens for a reason. And sometimes we never understand what that reason really is. Uh, you know, it's, it's so cliche, but I, I subscribe to that and I don't, I might not ever find out why I might not ever um, understand why this door closed and this one opened, but I do believe that they're closing all the times at, at all times. And that eventually um, if I can just accept it and fall into it, that there is beauty from those moments. And that's what the pandemic has reminded me of is that um, I don't control life, but I control how I react to it. It's all I got control over. And so then you can't wait to get back touring then. So it's funny because those are, is that what you, is that, is that what you can't wait? That's to the, get that's back? the duality. That's, there's exactly. like, I love my kids, but I can't wait to get back on the road. But it's of course being with your kids so much and being home, essentially, it's not like the kid, but it's like the home home that makes you crave the going and it's the going that makes you crave the home and you end up, they're part of the same whole. They're not separate. Yes. Yes. Yes, completely. I mean, yeah, when I'm on the road, I'm like, oh my God, I just want to get home. And when I'm at home, I'm like, oh my God, I need to get out of here. It's it's nonstop. It's about 
accepting where you're at, being finding happiness happiness in that moment. And um, and this has been COVID has been a, a ultimate teacher. It's this is there's lessons, there's infinite lessons in these moments. Um, and hopefully, and I think that for a while, for me, when when COVID first hit, it was like my disease was like, oh, perfect. You know, oh, now you have an excuse is what you you have an excuse to get high now and just be at home. And, you know, I, you know, it, my disease started talking real loud when COVID <laughs> first hit. And um, I want I want to leave, you know, wh- whenever this pandemic is over, if it's over, who knows what what the world is going to look like. But I'd like to think that I'm coming out of it with some new tools. You know, I think I would like to come out of it. I don't want to say like a better person, but like, you know, with some new tools, you know, we, we, we went through something and I'm coming out of it a little bit better than how I went into it. If you used it right, I think that's the, I think that's what happens. I think that we all have an opportunity in life when things are difficult, we can either let it catapult us into a new level of acceptance, understanding, peace, presence, and, um, or we can allow it to uh, get into our psyche and we can spin on a negative thought and it just spins us down, 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 down. Yeah. And we all have that choice. And so I think that you've used it properly. And so you should be proud of yourself for that. Thank you. Thank it. you. Yeah. Well, congrats on the new clothing line. I can't wait to uh, get some bogey. Wait, are you going to do bogey girls? We gotta figure that out. Come on we now. Figure it out. I know. Yeah. I mean, the clothes are unisex. Obviously, the name is not, but um, we need to figure that out. There are a lot of clothes, though, that I will say swing both ways. Well, I the more time goes on, and the more guys like Harry Styles wear, you know, boas and girls' clothes. Um, yes joke but um whatever if it makes him happy uh but i hear from people in passing like i was just you know there's a guy on trip to egypt and he was talking he's you know stylish and cool and he's like i buy women's clothes he's like absolutely like these shirts that are like this he's like they don't make them for guys and they don't make this cut so i think that the idea that things can be unisex is uh really like it's not, it shouldn't be shocking. It shouldn't be scary. It should just be you fitting into the clothes that sort of suit your style. And, um, you know, just because it says boys doesn't mean that it can't be for girls. So I like that. Very true. Very you're making, true. You're making changes with your clothes now too. So, <laughs> I mean. I mean, what you're saying though is so true. I, I've shopped women's clothes forever. Like, you know, you can't find as much fringe in the men's section as you can the women's section. So I have I have infinitely shopped uh you know in the women's department. It's been absolutely part of my story. I love what Harry Styles is doing. I think that it's great. I'm I'm in you know Gucci the other day and I'm looking at the purse and I'm like can I pull off the purse? Like this is a great and and you know I, I posted it on Instagram and you know quickly realized like I mean it was like 60 60 40 type where like you could do it versus you couldn't. But I, I went back the next day. I was like, wow, that really is like a purse purse. That's not like, that can't even be like considered like a man bag or like a, 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 a man satchel. That is just a straight up purse that I would normally be holding for my wife. But, you, you know, you never know. You never know. It's, <laughs> there's no boundaries here. Well, maybe, maybe the final question is, do you actually shop at thrift stores ever? Like, I have. Oh, oh, constantly, constantly. I um, of course, with COVID, there has been limited thrift shopping. But uh, your boy fired up the eBay account. I got the Etsy. Oh. I'm on OfferUp. I got all the all the <laughs> social media, all the all the internets. Uh, you know, thrift shops. It's all attainable now. So constantly, I just have boxes coming into my mailbox. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I bought that two weeks ago. Not not the best shipping time, but okay. Yes, I forgot that I ordered this sweater. Um, So that's that's been a new, somewhat healthy addiction of mine is is the vintage shopping online. I'll always 
I'll always buy used clothes. I love it. It, you know, they're, they're one of a kind. A lot of the time you can't, you can't go out and, and buy that. You can't, you can't buy that history and that lineage that those clothes provide. So now you just need to have somewhere to wear them, which is the problem. I end up like, I mean, I think to myself, like, there's no need to go shopping. Like, I mean, I'm going to promise you I have yoga pants on underneath <laughs> this. Like, like, I need like shirts for a show. Yeah. That's about it. Like, I don't, you know, we don't go as many places, but, um, but that will change. And you know what? There's something to be said about like, the vibe it gives you just to have it, even if you're like, like I'm just walking around your house one day yeah. or, you know, doing a zoom interview. Yeah. Shirts, shirts on shirts. Shirts on shirts. So all right. Well, thank you so much and congrats and thanks for your honesty and giving us all permission to do the same. You know, some people come into this life with more to carry and um, a big job. And I think that you, you, you have that and you're doing it like you're, you're doing that. And uh, so thank you. Thank you, Danica. It's very nice of you to say. And um, really appreciate you having me. It's been a good conversation. I invite you to Scottsdale National to come play with me. We'll hey, we're playing. Wrap we're some bogey boys clothes. Two times a year to three times a year. We're doing it. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.